When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is July 6th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball Dean Kramer, uh, yeah, this was really good. Seven innings, one earned run, four hits, one walk, 10 strikeouts with 18 whiffs against the Yankees. He got a share of the Gallows Bowl. There are three guys who got that today, which is very interesting at 18 whiffs. 39% CSW, and Dean Kramer to me, it was easy for me to put him in the 90s because he has a ERA over five and a whip over 1.4, maybe a little bit lower now after this one, but he's inconsistent with what he does with his four-seamer and his cutter. When those work... Uh, and they're able to really shine at the top of the zone for the four-seamer, and really the cutter was so good down in a way, which honestly, we've seen the cutter do well before and not with this command. Um, it's great, and and I should say that maybe that depends on the curveball having a near 70% strike rate and the sinker not being hung out over the plate. And because of that, it meant that the Yankees had to go after these really well-commanded pitches, right? They didn't take advantage of the others, the number three, number four pitch, and that allowed the number one, number two for Dean Kramer to soar. There's something to be said about that. Um, how we frame pitchers, how we see their ratios uh, is rarely just, hey, they're just always bad. I mean, so look, you see like Jordan Lyles, for example. Yeah, we know that Jordan Lyles likely isn't going to come through. Maybe one night his slider and curveball does, but my point is, the guy like Dean Kramer, he actually has ways to be successful. It's just how often is he going to be able to execute that? that game plan, right? And there's a difference between that. So for fantasy purposes, I kind of think of Dean Kramer as a cherry bomb in this way because, yeah, there is a way for him to do really well. I've had him as a Toby and a streaming option. I think I might still have that. Um, But maybe I do raise Dean Kramer into that like last hurrah cherry bomb tier that I have on the list and out of tier 12 into tier 11 um, moving next week because of that. Um, other guys that did super well, I mean, Pablo Lopez, uh, I have so much adoration for not only just him, the pitcher, but him, the human. He's so wonderful. And I uh, destroyed the Kansas City Royals. I uh, got the win. Complete game shut out. Of course he did. Four hits, zero walks, and 12 Ks. 17 whiffs for 42% CSW. Just one whiff off from a golden goal. So everything is cooking here. And I talked to him about it. And he pretty much said, like, yeah, it felt really good to have everything working. And I really want to emphasize how cool that is for Pablo Lopez, a guy who's had success in the past, really just being a fastball changeup guy. You know, in those previous series seasons of success that Pablo Lopez had, when he was like a three ARA pitcher and such, it was a four seamer and sinker around 93, 94 on a good day, and a really elite changeup. And then maybe this curveball, maybe this cutter, but he was really trying to figure out the other stuff and it didn't work. These days, way different. The four-seamer is elevated a ton more. It's still not even like elite as far as high location. It's mid-50s, but it used to be like 30%, 35%. And that has a 16% swing strike rate on the year, a 90th percentile PLV mark, which is amazing. Uh, one of the highest strike rates on it. It's just really a really good four-seamer. He does allow a little bit too much... Um, uh, ideal contact. I mean, ideal that is a result that is uh, contact 
that results in a barrel, a uh, solid percentage, or a flare and burner. This is such my way of saying, look, when batters are able to make contact on this pitch in play, it is not as beneficial for Pablo Lopez's four-seamer as it is for other four-seamers. But not so often that that happens, right? And uh, it's still a fantastic pitch. But the fact that that four-seamer is there doing that allows, I think, the curveball to be a lot better this year. The sweeper has showed up. This wasn't a pitch he had before. Went to driveline, learned sweeper. Also increased the fastball velocity by 1.5 ticks. So it's not just high location. It's also just harder and better. But the sweeper had a 76% strike rate yesterday. The 40 plus percentage CSW on that. The curveball and the changeup. Yeah, that's what you want to see. Sorry, the, the, the sweeper didn't have the 40% CSW. The four-seamer did, uh, 46, and then 42, I think, each on the ch- on the changing curve. The changeup also is very interesting. I know I'm spending so much time on Pablo Lopez, but it's just so fascinating to me because he was a 4-5-4 ERA, if you remember. In the last six starts, that's 2 seven, six for him to get to be like 3-6. Like, yes, this is why Pablo Lopez was still hi- very highly ranked because this is the skill set that we believe to actually be the true sense of Pablo and... He's been able to continuously go out there every day and and and, and pitch. And it's been wonderful to see it. The changeup, by the way, too much YM lock. That is, it's too middle vertically. So like think like belt high as opposed to being low. The elite changeups we see in the game are about 70% or really 75 to 80% low location. Things Zach Gallons. Pablo Lopez used to be around there, uh, 75 to 80%. It's down to like 67% this year. And even in this one, there were some mistakes he actually made up that didn't really burn him but this is something to monitor i think um about pablo lopez yeah this was great it was against the royals there's still something else to be done actually i think across the board with pablo lopez just get consistent with that sweeper and and, and curveball have the amazing fastball but once that change up ease that low location it's just going to be even you know more sustainable really in that second half it's really cool to see Okay, that was so much about Pablo Lopez. I apologize. We're already five and a half minutes in. Alex Cobb against the the Mariners got the win six innings, zero and run, six sets, zero walks, and seven Ks. 82% strikes in the slider at 13% usage. I know that doesn't seem like a major deal, 13% usage, but it is. This just wasn't thrown before. And then he came back from the IL, and now he's actually been using this. And I feel like he took the time in rehab to get that slider back. And it's so important because the splitter, the thing that usually was just the reason for his success or failure... Didn't, didn't do well yesterday. It was, uh, I can't even like get the words out. I'm just shocked. It was three out of 16 whiffs. And yet this was a great game because that slider was that extra element before it, when the splitter wasn't working, he had a curveball that was just only used early in counts. And then he had to get sinker called strikes. And that was it. And that was the world of Alex Cobb. But now that he has a slider also to get strikes, it's a big, big game changer for him. And I think that he's not a cherry bomb anymore. With that slider, I just hope to see that usage stay above 10% moving forward. Tommy Henry got the gold star yesterday um, against the Mets uh, as he won six innings, zero and runs, two hits, four walks in two Ks. Yeah, four walks in two Ks. Tommy Henry, okay, you got through this one fine. And the slider, the thing that has been really catalyzing the recent success for Tommy Henry was only thrown seven times. Sure, it was five over seven strikes. I was really surprised to see that. He got through it, I guess, and he felt like he didn't need it. Whatever. Very weird start for Tommy Henry. Um, I'm not really buying into this one. Randy Vasquez did well, I guess, against the uh, the Orioles. I mean, he did what you were supposed to do, right? He went five innings of shutout ball without any strikeouts. One strikeout, but you know, you're not really going after Vasquez for that. Unfortunately, it wasn't a win because Dean Kramer was so good. Um, three hits and three walks along the way. 120 whip like this is what you expected for Vandy Vasquez you should be happy with it but we're not really going after it in your 12 teamers uh, Michael Soroka you should probably consider 
Um, against the Guardians, 4.2 innings of zero runs, which is great. You love that. Five hits and three walks in 4Ks. Kind of interesting to see the high walk rate from Soroka. And you really shouldn't need 99 pitches to get through 4.2 innings, right? 99 pitches from Soroka should mean like six or seven innings. And what was interesting in this one, uh, the sinker and change uh, were not coming through. So the four-seamer command, I think, was great. The slider command was actually way better in this one than it was um, you know, before the IL. Now he's like, the last two of the slider has been there. But the sinker gets outs, and the changeup gets outs, and those were not good here. And that made him become more inefficient than we normally see from Soroka. So I think that does get better as over time. Soroka is, you know, has made his whole career, his whole, ever since, like, I assume, like, high school and stuff, just on good command. So that should be better. Uh, but I will say that he's okay to drop this weekend if you're looking at your weekly matchup and going, oh man, I need to get this guy for Sunday or Saturday. Otherwise, I'm not going to, you know, I'm probably going to lose this week or I'm lowering my chance. It's okay. Soroka isn't those like, oh my gosh, massive needle in my direction pushing guy, right? That's a terrible sentence. But yeah, not the one that like is going to save your season, but he's a solid play in 12 teamers in the second half. Austin Pruitt opened for Ken Waldachuk. Yeah, he's on athletics now. Um, and come on to Chuck, getting more bulk time um, than he used to. Remember, he was a starter and then was demoted to being an opener. Now, 4.1 innings of two and run ball two. It's three walks and three Ks across 62 pitches. He's not ready, but we'll monitor it. Um, Kodai Senga should go up in the list. Uh, I haven't given him enough credit, I think, for what he's done. I mean, sure, this was a forkball game. 10 over 25 whiffs against Arizona. Thus was eight innings of one and run four hits, one walk and 12 strikeouts. But I don't think I was giving enough credit to the fact that he has about a 30% strikeout rate right now. I think I was really stupid about it, honestly. Um, so the cutter also is better than I've been expecting as its ICR, ideal contact rate, as I've been talking about more lately, is 88th percentile. So what I'm saying is that he throws a lot of strikes with that cutter. And normally the sacrifice is that when contact is made, it's really bad for you. But it's 88th percentile. So actually it's not. And so that's been such an important pitch for Senga as the splitter being like the biggest catalyst for his success or failure is not a high strike rate pitch. I mean, we're talking like sub 50%. It's just trying to get whips under the zone. It's not trying to be in the zone at all. So uh, because of that, he needs to get something else that he's confident in the zone with. That cutter has turned into that. The four-seamer, I know it's high velocity. It's very hittable. Um, while the slider isn't that good. And those are the biggest two issues I've had about Senga, but I haven't given him enough credit for the cutter. And because of that, I'm going to be re- uh, pushing him up into the next cherry bomb tier. Um, I think probably in like the 60s or so, something like that, where like I recognize that Senga's on your rosters and that's fine. And we're going to we're going to roll with this just for the strikeout rate itself. And it's worthwhile, kind of like a Hunter Green almost. Um, but while Hunter Green, I have more faith of having like a longer stretch of success. But yeah, it's kind of that kind of situation. That's all. OK, uh, there are a lot of other guys to talk about and I'm taking forever today and I'm so sorry. But uh, I hope you enjoy the longer podcast and we'll talk about everything Uh, from yesterday's starters to today's and tomorrow's after this break. Are you ready to step up to the plate and show off your fantasy baseball skills? Check out Underdog's Fantasy 7th Inning Stretch Tournament from now through July 14th, where you can build your dream team and compete against your friends for the $150,000 in total prizes. 
So what are you waiting for? Visit the link in the episode description and use promo code PITCHERLESS to receive 100% deposit match up to $100. Join us in the seventh inning stretch tournament and experience the thrill of fantasy baseball like never before on Underdog. Good luck and may the best team win. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 and older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. Graham Ashcraft against the Nationals got the win. Six innings, one run. See, he's fixed. Absolutely not. Ten base runners, two Ks. Uh, last time it worked out because the slider was so good. And like really well commanded while the cutter wasn't. And it's kind of funny. You see the situations of like one thing doing well and one thing doing poorly. We always hope that we see the pundit square of, hey, the 25% chance that they're both working. Uh, 50% chance of one of the two working and 25% of them both failing. Sadly, it's not that. It's not just even chance. And normally when you see one thing all of a sudden doing really well, it goes back to being bad like the other thing. And that's kind of what it was here, but he just got through it because he throws hard and the Nationals aren't very good, I guess. Don't don't go after Graham Ashcraft after this or and the last two starts. It's just not there. Um, Seth Lugo against the the Angels without Trout got 18 whiffs. That's really surprising for Lugo who got his share of the Gallows Bowl. Six innings, one and run, five hits, one walk in six Ks. Uh, the changeup was the big deal, which is, wait, hold on a second. Seth Lugo is like a four-seamer sinker curveball guy, maybe with a surprise sweeper, not a changeup. It was six for 16 whiffs. That was cool. So I hope that sticks around. I don't really think it will, but I like Seth Lugo. He's fine. He's like a better Toby. You know, he's like a Holly almost um, for a what should be a winning ball club and one of the better defense behind defenses behind him. He throws a lot of strikes. I think he's solid. Um, Patrick Sandoval on the other side of it. One and run in five innings against the Padres. The Padres are weird. Um, two, it's four walks, five Ks, because he can't have his changeup in a slider working on the same night. It's so crazy to me. The changeup had a 44% CSW, seven over 25 whiffs. Great. The slider had very low strikes. And the fastball and sinker are not good. And I just don't want to do it with Patrick Sandoval. I really don't think it's in your best interest to roster him. Adrian Hauser has a good sinker that gets O-swing and gets out sometimes. And what do you know? It did that. Five innings, one earned run, but... Nine base runners, six hits, three walks, and four Ks. It's the Hauser special of a 1-8 whip and a 1-8 ERA. Uh, Tommy Malone. Yeah, him, that guy. He started for the Mariners because they couldn't start Bryce Miller, who's going to be out for like a month or so. They said it's going to be a little bit of, you know, a little while, which is really frustrating because it's Bryce Miller. Um, but uh, Tommy Malone is here, and he went four-point winnings of one earned run ball, and huge props to him. Seriously. Four hits, four walks, zero Ks. I don't care. One earned run and four-point-one innings. Good job, man. You know, that, that's just pretty cool. I couldn't do that. <laughs> just kind of like, all right, time alone, go in there for 4.1 innings of production. And he did it. That's cool. Um, good job. Uh, Brian Bayo against the Rangers got the win. Seven innings, two and runs, eight hits, zero walks, and three Ks. I was scared about this. The Rangers have been a little cold lately, but I don't really want to read too much into that. And Bayo was just sinker change up. I feel weird about it. Uh, only three strikeouts, uh, 12 was 23% CSW, and the balls found gloves, which is good for Bayo. Not all of them is eight hits still. Um, I think that Bayo, as a sinker changeup guy, is good, but he's not, he's more risky, I think, in that way. And uh, without the slider really turning into a thing, it got strikes, but it went zero for 17 whiffs. And that scares me a little bit for the second half. I think he's worthwhile to roster. Of course, I'm not saying not to. But as far as what the assessment is of the future of Bayo, I don't think he can ascend properly until that slider shows up. 
and like is a really good um, whiff offering for him. Um, Alec Marsh, uh, five innings, two and runs, three hits, three walks, five Ks. He's a perfect example of a guy who, if he wasn't with the Royals, I would actually be very interested in. I have no faith that the Royals are going to push him in the right direction. He has a 95 mile per hour heater with a 57% CSW curveball and a whiff heavy slider. Like that was what he showed. And he had six base runners in five innings. I don't know. Uh, he could be a streaming option in the future. Keep an eye on Alec Marsh, but right now you don't need to do anything. Osvaldo Bido against the Dodgers, four innings of two and runs. Honestly, that's great. Good job, buddy. Um, we don't want to go after Bido right now. Zach Little opened for Yanni Torinos. We don't want to go after him. Three and runs and eight hits and 2.2 innings. JB France did exactly what he was supposed to do. He got a win against Rocky Road in six innings, three and runs, six sets, one walk, four Ks. It's not exciting. Sure, you want one fewer earned run, but you were very happy with us if you streamed him. As you got that win, a decent whip. All is fine. Um, that one earned run is not going to kill your week. Uh, John Gray against the Red Sox. Very disappointing. He had a very, 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 very poor quality start. That is 12 base runners in six innings on the dot with 300 runs. Oh boy. Uh, two Ks against the, the Red Sox. Velocity was down to 95, not 96. The fastball command is terrible as it was just chaos across the zone. Uh, and the slider was fine. Seven whiffs is good, but like not so much that it negated all the fastball stuff. Like this is not a good place for John Gray. He hasn't been there since the blister. And I don't know when it's going to come back. I like to think that eventually John Gray will get back into his fastball command, but he's certainly not there now. So I don't know. I don't know when we're going to see it. If we're going to see it, it's not something that I feel like I have to hold on to. I would love to be in a situation where he's on the wire and I'm just waiting for the moment to click and I can add him. But it might be a hipster right now where you don't know what to do. Justin Steele against the Brewers. Six innings, 300 runs, nine hits, three, zero walks, and five Ks. It's a very poor quality start. And that's not really what you want from Steele, especially when he doesn't get a win. You're not really happy with this. It's just 5Ks. That's all you really get from it because the, the ERA and the whip are not good. You don't get a win. Uh, he got singled out a bit. It was worse sliders, not too many whiffs. Uh, a little bit more fastballs over the middle of the plate too that helped out the Brewers. I hope that he's going to get back to the better command that he had before. It's not terrible, like the worst thing ever. It's just, okay, there's a little bit of fine-tuning to be done. Josiah Gray, absolutely don't go after this. 300 runs, 12 base runners in five innings. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, Taiwan Walker against the Rays. Yeah, this was four and runs in seven innings and 10 base runners. At least he got eight strikeouts. And maybe if he can be consistent with 93-94 with decent cutters and sliders being a lot and splitters being in there, uh, that could be pretty cool. I uh, I wrote in the roundup sliders. I meant uh, splitters uh, at 60% usage. Apologize for that. But yeah, this the... The splitter can be very effective there. Uh, Bobby Miller went against the Pirates. I've talked so much about Bobby Miller. I talked about him with the Twitch chat a ton. Uh, you want to know what my favorite things about Bobby Miller? His sinker O-swing is like top five among all starting pitchers. And he throws 100 miles per hour and doesn't surprise anybody with that. So, I mean, it's a sinker or a, a four-seam, whatever you want to call it. But that pitch is legit in my view and sets the table for his secondary to really soar. The problem with Bobby Miller right now, I mean, sure, you could say that it was an 88 mile per hour cutter that was up and not really that much of a mistake. But Sawinski hit a three and shot on that. And there you go. I mean, he shouldn't have allowed the two hits bef- before. They weren't the best pitches either. But like seeing four, 5.2 innings of five hits, one walk and seven Ks is great with a win. That's four and runs. And you're like, oh, man, that stinks. If it was two and runs, it was like two solo shots instead of a three-run shot and a one, you know, there you go, right? But anyway, um, Bobby Miller's slider needs to be more of a strike pitch. Right now, it's like 58%. It needs to be like a 65. It's a really good pitch. It just needs to be adjusted a little bit closer to the zone. While the curve and change need to come through more. 
Um, they're not reliable secondaries at the moment. Do I think that Bobby Miller will get there? Absolutely. I think it's such an amazing foundation he has with that fastball. And I think the stuff of these pitches is really good. And when I watch it, he's not missing like randomness. You know, these are just tweaks that you make as you get uh, more time in the majors. It's why I'm so high on Bobby Miller. And I understand why everyone else is not as high on Bobby Miller as I am, because now it's four starts of bad ERAs. I think we're too focused on the ERA, guys. That's just how I see it. Uh, Matthew Libertor against the Miami Marlins shouldn't have been starting. Should have been Stephen Metz, but the Cardinals say we can't do Metz, so we went Libertor and it was terrible. And we're going to move on. Don't do Libertor. Don't take Cal Quantrill against the against Atlanta. Why would you do that? Don't do that. Um, Cal Quantrill is good against like mediocre teams as he gets good single swing most of the time. It's only thirty percent this year, which is weird. It will be better, I'm sure, but I don't really like Cal Quantrill. And I definitely don't like it against Atlanta. Chase Anderson against Astros, yeah, of course not. Uh, Brian Homing against the the Cardinals, yeah, he's a singer baller who didn't get the outs with the singers, and there you go. And then Eduardo Rodriguez, this is why we have a still ill, is against Oakland, and we're like, hey, we should be doing this, right? Well, no, four innings, five earned runs, six hits, zero walks, and seven Ks. Uh, this is why still ill exists, um, especially for a guy like Erod, who I think is more command dependent than a lot of other guys that we see coming back from, from injuries that we're excited about. So monitor this. I mean, I think like it'll be better moving forward, but yeah, he doesn't have the command now. When we saw him exceed, excel in the beginning of the year, it was because of his command. So, uh, so monitor it, but I think you still hold on to him. You don't have to drop Eduardo Rodriguez. It's just, okay, get your command back, buddy. I'm looking forward to today and tomorrow's games. Uh, George Kirby, Freddie Peralta, Julio Urias, Nathan Ivaldi, Marcus Stroman, and Yuri Perez, Tanner Bybee, and Jose Barrios are in the auto start. Here, make sure Barrios is in the lineup. It's a doubleheader today. Uh, you have probable starts of Jack Flaherty, Yusei Kikuchi, and Michael Lorenzen. Lorenzen gets the athletics. That's why he's there. On the questionable start tier, you have Hogan Harris, Kyle Bradish, uh, Lance Lynn, Mackenzie Gore, Luis Severino, and Ryan Nelson. Of these, uh, you have Lance Lynn, of course, also coming in because of the doubleheader. It's strikeout-friendly stuff against the Jays. I hope that works. Hogan Harris against the Tigers could work out. He might have an opener. Kyle Bradish could do well against the Yankees. The Yankees, who knows what you're going to get. And Luis Severino's down here because I don't know. He's lost right now. Is it going today going to be the day he clicks in? It's about the slider and changeup. I really hope those do well. And Ryan Nelson's worked out with a changeup lately. And Tommy Henry just silenced the Mets. So maybe that works out. Do not start to do not touch Williamson and Christopher Sanchez against the, the Rays and Carlos Carrasco and Carter Crawford and Yohan Aviedo. Spencer Watkins, Jordan Lyles, Tanner Banks, uh, the temporary bullpen. No, thank you. And I also do want to mention about Mackenzie Gore. I watched them a lot uh, before this on the Twitch stream. Um, really bad against lefties, as a, as, a uh, as chat mentioned to me. Really interesting point. Really bad against lefties. Much better against righties. Fastball command is everything. That really, really is that the fastball gets destroyed by lefties and the slider isn't doing enough. Um, sub 30% O swing, which is terrible as a lefty versus lefty. Uh, Kenzie Gore is just kind of too volatile for me. Um, all right. And looking forward to tomorrow's games, Zach Gallen, Luis Castillo, James Paxson, Zach Wheeler, Corbin Burns, Justin Verlander, Andrew Abbott, Dylan Cease, Hunter Brown, Sandy Alcantara, and Tyler Glasner are all in that auto start tier. I think all of this is pretty straightforward. Sandy Alcantara is still here. Of course, it was Atlanta last time. Don't judge him for that. And Tyler Glasner is getting Atlanta. Uh, up to you. I'm going to do it because he's an auto star. You just kind of close your eyes and do it. But maybe you want to do the probable start because Atlanta is just so good right now. But imagine if it was Coors. If it was Coors, would you do it? I think you would. Probable start tier, Bailey Ober against Baltimore. Of course, Yu Darvish is coming back from the illness. So we don't know where he's at. And it's the Mets. So probable start. But I think I still want to do it. Joe Montgomery's on too good of a run. So you do that against the White Sox. Carlos Rodon is coming back tomorrow. And yes, I'm putting him in the probable start tier. I know. It's, I'm breaking the still ill rules. I know. I said that about Julio Urias against the Royals and that didn't go well. 
His command was off. That was Urias. Carlos Rodon has cruised um, through his 10.2 innings of rehab. He's allowed three hits total. I really do think that this is a good matchup that you're just going to want to do it. I don't think he's going to destroy your your week. It's against the Cubs too. I think it's just too fun. I, I'm, I am starting. If I have Carlos Rodon, I am going to be starting him in my leagues. Andrew Heaney against the Nationals. Uh, he got a slider down last time. Fastballs were up. Sliders were down. That works. Uh, hopefully that does uh, maintain itself. Tony Gonsolin against the Angels. Aaron Savali against the Royals. I know Tony Gonsolin. Like, wait, what, Nick? I thought we we're moving on from him. Yes, but Trout is hurt, and Gonsolin isn't so bad. Like he's a Toby, and the Angels to me aren't scary at the moment. So Gonsolin can very well work make this work. So I think I'm going to go with it. Same with Aaron Savali is a Toby against the Royals. Questionable start tier is terrifying. Charlie Morton against the Rays. The Rays in Atlanta you just want to like avoid right now. And Charlie Morton is already inherently volatile. So, yeah. Uh, Griffin Canning against the Dodgers. I like where Griffin Canning is at. I don't want to face him against the Dodgers. Or I don't want to start him against the Dodgers. Um, Cole Irvin against the Twins. That is my stream pick of the day because I can't choose anyone else. And maybe that works. Uh, Cole Irvin is kind of a Toby when he's working and the Twins aren't very scary. And Alec Manoa against the Tigers. I'm not going to rule out the fact that Alec Manoa hit the reset button and did well. Do not just see like the first two months of the year and be like, well, Alec Manoa is washed up and he's cooked forever now. No, he actually got a gift, which you normally don't see from a lot of pitchers where a lot of times guys don't get the opportunity that we think highly of to actually go to the minors and fix themselves. You know, he's been completely removed. He's able to hit the reset button, take all the rest he needs to do do all the things, and he didn't do well his first time. He got absolutely destroyed. But then, apparently, he did really well in, in AA, and I'm not going to just all of a sudden rule out that the, all the skills are gone or all the talent potential is gone. So I'm picking him up in my leagues. Alec Manoa gets the Tigers. I don't want to start him. I'm going to pick him up and, wa- and wait and see what we get. But can we all acknowledge that there's still top 25 upside because that's what he was the past two seasons? Cool. All right. Uh, do not start tier... Daniel Lynch against the the Guardians. I know it's been a two-year ERA the last three starts, but 11% strike ERA, and I do not buy this changeup whatsoever. Um, Luis Medina could maybe go a quality start against the Red Sox. I'm not going to go after that. Rich Hill against the Dimex. No, thank you. James Antino against the Yankees. He's been so bad. Ross Stripling, I don't even know how many innings he's going to go and what the situation is there. I don't care, even though it's Rocky Road. Austin Gomber on the other side, never Gomber. Alex Fajardo starting. That's cool, but it's against the Jays and absolutely not. And Trevor Williams against the Rangers. Oh boy, absolutely not. All right, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for the support. Sorry for the late one today. I had a lot of tangents on the stream, but that's just how it goes. Uh, so my name is Nick Pollock. I mean, your babs below and your strike outside.